Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Today, um, we're going to talk about the heart, the heart of the tithe, the heart of the tithe. Many times when we begin to talk about tithing, that sounds like a code word. Um, he wants my money. Okay? But I don't. And neither does God want your money. But I want us to talk about the tithe this morning uh, because um, uh, the tithe is vitally important because it, 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 you really are not generous until we cover and begin to understand what the tithe is and, and understand how to operate in the tithe and uh, what that means to us as, uh, as believers. And, and, and I believe a lot of churches have lost members uh, because of this very subject of tithing. And so sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't teach on tithing yourself if you're the pastor. Um, but I don't, who else should be teaching on tithing other than the leader, the pastor, you know? Why would I bring someone in to talk about tithing? That sounds suspect to me. So we want to talk about tithing this morning. We call it the heart, the heart of the tithe. The heart of the tithe. In other words, what is the spirit? What is the spirit behind tithing? Because until you grasp the spirit of something, then it, it really makes no meaning. It truly is law. And, and what will happen when you're when we function only in the law, the law will kill you. It'll cause you to get tired and weary, and you don't want to go there anymore. So I, <clears throat> this morning, I want, to, I want to go there with us. And I want to just go back over some statistics that uh, we've heard earlier when we listened to uh, David Jeremiah. And then we're going to get into the message. <clears throat> it says, the church today is not great at giving. This isn't exactly news, but it is a statistical fact. Tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. And I'm here to tell you that I'm grateful that we're not normal. Amen. We're not normal. We're, we're a little above normal. But I don't want to be a little above normal. I want to be a superior. Right? Don't we, want, don't we want superior? Don't we want A's and not B's? B's and not C's? Right? So we want to, we want to talk about that. 10 to 25% of the normal congregation tithe. Only 5% of the United States of America tithe, with 80% of Americans only giving 2% of their income. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> Christians only are only giving at 2.5% per capita. While during the Great Depression, it was 3.3% of that rate. So, these are, are, are what can happen when we truly take on just giving in general. $25 billion could lead, relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases 
in five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where one billion people live less than on one dollar per day. One billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. 100 to 110 billion could still be left over for additional ministry expansion. So, let's talk about the heart of the tithe this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the first mention of tithing, and that's in the book of Genesis, chapter 14. So if you'll turn there with me this morning. Could you give me a little more volume on this, please? <clears throat> the heart of the tithe. The heart of the tithe. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 14. I'm reading out a New King James Version. It says, now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is the north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out and met to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. And after his return from the defeat, Chedalamor, I think is how you spell it, could be different, and the kings who were with him, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So this is the very first mention of the tithe and it happened after a pretty major victory. Um, Abram was really out of it, but he got into it because uh, his uh, nephew Lot, who was living at Sodom at the time, was held captive and brought into captivity. And so uh, Abram took um, 318 of his men, and they went fighting. And it was a pretty powerful fight against uh, in which they were outnumbered. And when they came back, they came back with everything that had been taken from them, all the spoils uh, of the battle uh, Abram came back with. And so there was cattle, there was gold, there was silver, there was everything um, that you could mention uh, he brought back with him. And so this uh, mysterious character comes along called Melchizedek. And Melchizedek um, it labels him as the priest of the Lord Most High, the possessor or the maker or the owner of all the earth. And uh, we'll look in Hebrews in just a minute. Um, 
But whatever it was about Melchizedek, Abram recognized him as a go-between, between the God he had gotten to know and himself. And what he did with the spoils at that time is he took tenth of it, of everything that was there. He took a tenth and he offered it to the priest. And if you know anything about the priest in the Bible, the priest would always be the one who would take, who would be the connector between the God and the man. The priest would be the connector between the God and the man. And so it was a way for, for Abram uh, who recognized uh, the position of Melchizedek and he immediately, for whatever reason, we don't know why, but must have been something that the, uh, they were offering already for, to other gods. In other words, it was something that was in the system already. It was already being done. And Abram took the tenth part of the spoils and he offered it up to King Melchizedek, the priest of the Lord Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And when you look at the term El, uh, uh, most, most High God, it comes from a term, and many of you probably have heard this, El Elyon, which means the Most High God. So that would mean that there's some other gods, but he was, he was subscribing to the Most High God. In other words, there's other gods around, and they're receiving uh, tithes from um, through to, to the people to their other gods, but now Melchizedek is here, and Abram is offering up to Melchizedek the spoils of battle. Now we're going to unpackage this a little later, but I want you to understand uh, what just happened here is that he was victorious in battle, and all that he received in battle, he took a tenth of it and said, I want to give it back to the one who has made me victorious in battle. Does that make sense? Hold on to that, okay? All right, because that means a lot to each, it will mean a lot to us as we talk about the spirit of tithing. Let's look at some other scriptures here. Look at Genesis chapter <clears throat> 28 and verse 20. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 20. How many of you heard the song, We Are Climbing Who? Jacob's Ladder, right? And it was a revelation, a dream that Jacob was having, in which he saw angels, the heavens open up, and angels were coming, descending and ascending, descending and ascending, going up and coming down. It was an open heaven. And he saw it in a dream. And so out of that, he comes to this point right here. So we won't go through all of the, the first part of this, uh, chapter uh, 28, verse 1, but we'll go at chapter 28, verse 20, for the sake of time. It says, Then Jacob made a vow. Then Jacob made a vow. Now, who is Jacob's uh, father? Huh? Isaac, right? And who is Isaac's father? So, can we... Um, can we take or surmise that quite possibly Abram had taught Isaac something? Is that, is that fair? Talk to me now. 
Is that fair? All right. And can we, can we, can we also surmise that Isaac could have quite possibly taught Jacob something? Is that fair? Is that fair? All right. Just want to know. So Jacob here, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, listen to this, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. In other words, he put a condition on God. Think about that just for a minute. See, what we don't understand many times is this. Is that God is territorial. And and God, one way that God uh, does to topple other gods, and that's really what the battle is all about. David and Goliath. David was challenging Goliath's God and Goliath was challenging David's God. And basically what was being said there is, if my God wins, then you'll come and serve us. But if your God wins, then he'll be the God. And see, that's what we're doing when we're dealing with with sickness and disease and poverty and lack. We're saying, when we go out in public, we're saying, my God can beat your God. My God is bigger than your God. My God is El Elyon. He's Almighty God. In other words, there are no other gods before thee. And that's why we don't have to be concerned so much as to does God want to. No, God loves to get in the ring. You hear what I'm saying? God loves to get in the ring and God loves to show himself strong on behalf of those who believe in him. And so Jacob, having that understanding, is saying, listen, I'm I'm not just going to accept you, God. (laughs) I'm not just going to do it because my grandfather did it and my father did it. He's saying right here, God, if you will be with me and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Are you all with me? He says, surely, you you do your part, God. You do your part, God. Now make sure that I'm I'm going to pinch off a piece for you. (laughs) I'm going to give you a little something. And God is all right with that. God's okay with that. Because I believe what it's saying here, you are now recognizing where your help has come from. Everybody wake up. The, 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 the demon of slumber will try to hop on you when you're talking about this subject. 
So go with me here because we're going to unpackage this all together. If you see your neighbor nodding, give him a little gentle nudge so I don't want to have to get on him. Just see him? Let's turn to Hebrews. Because what we're doing now, both of these um, scriptures that we just shared were outside of law, weren't they? There's, there's no law given. They just were like, okay, 10%. There's no law. No one's telling them to do it. No one's, you know, and it's the same really for us today. No one's got to tell you to do it. But when we get the heart of tithing, we get the spirit of it, then there's some things we do when we don't need to be told to do them. All right? Look at Hebrews. Chapter 7 and verse 1. So we're going to talk about this, this Melchizedek again. And we're going to see some parallels here that uh, we need to, to understand. It says, for this Melchizedek, verse 1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, El Elyon, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, his, it was Abram because his name hadn't been changed yet. He hadn't become a father of nations yet. But now we see him as Abraham, the father of nations. And he gave a tenth part. Everybody say a tenth part. A tenth part of all. First, being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor of life, nor end of life, but made like the son of God. Uh-oh. Remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment. Everyone say commandment. In other words, the Levites were commanded to receive tithes. From the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy, genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him and had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Now listen, he's talking about a a, a, a contrast between the Levites who were, who were told, who were commanded, uh, you receive 10% from the people. That was a commandment in the law. Receive 10% from the people. Now, if you look into that even a little more, and I, I've left some things out, but, but they're talking about different orders. So the first order was King Melchizedek. And, and we see him as the king of righteousness, the king of peace. I mean, we'll see in just a minute, but who does that sound like? It, it sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? It, it sounds kind of like that, that this Melchizedek 
was in some way a type of the Son of God. Not having father, nor mother, nor origin, nor beginning, nor end. That sounds like someone we might know, doesn't it? And being a priest continually. In other words, this new priest would be in the same order of the former priest, Melchizedek. So let's read a little more here, see if it clears itself up for us. Verse 10. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. And it is yet far more, verse 15 through 17, and it is yet far more evident, and it is yet far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of the fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. And he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What was the order of Melchizedek? No beginning, no end, king of righteousness, king of peace. Show up on the scene after victory has been won. There arises a new one in the same order, in the same type as Melchizedek who will be a priest forever. So we have to kind of use our imagination here so that when we are, when we are giving, of, when we're, we're giving tithes, that, that we are actually seeing ourselves giving it to our priest. I'm bringing my tithe to my priest. He's won victories for me. He's won battles for me. He's set me free. He's given me a destiny that cannot be interrupted by anyone. He's held me in my hands. He, he's, he's protected my life. And even if I die, to die is gain for me. And he's a priest forever. Continually. The spirit of the tithe. Abram didn't have a law. There was nothing telling Abram that he had to give anything to anyone. But the spirit of it said, I've got to recognize who just gave me victory. I've got to recognize where my help just came from. And therefore, I'm given a tenth back. Now, Let's move on here because we're going to get to some things here that I, I believe are going to help us all. Verse what? Where did, where did we finish? What did we just read? So we just finished 17. Look at 21. For they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You, Jesus are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. So who are we talking about, people? Who's the part priest? Everybody say one, two, three, Jesus. Jesus is now our high priest. Look at verse um, 24. 
Verse 24. But he, because he continues forever, everyone say forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. <laughs> pronia, pronoia, pronoia. Remember the word pronoia? We talked about it last week, I think. Did we talk about it last week? We talked about it in leadership. I think we mentioned it. Did we mention it? In pronoia. Pronoia is what that means, intercession. Someone's conspiring to do us good. Our high priest is thinking about us all the time. Did you hear me? He's, he's pronoying us. He's consumed with us, people. He's thinking about us, Joe. All the time he's thinking about me. Thinking about how he can make my life better. How he can help me through the storms of life. He's thinking about, he's making intercession for me. He's my stand between. I, I delight in that. I don't delight in people are thinking about doing me harm all the time. I'm thinking about those. I'm thinking about that God is constantly thinking about doing George Logan good. All the time. He's just thinking about me. And, but he has the capacity to think about you too. All of us. Constantly thinking about how we can be better. How I can... You know, how I can get them through. Because, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily take us out of trials. But boy, doesn't he do a work in us through the trial. Doesn't he, doesn't he do a work in us to get us through the trial? And sometimes he'll airlift us on out of that trial, won't he? Won't he do it? I said, sometimes he'll just come down and say, look, no, I don't think this is one I want you to go through. I'm just going to come and pick you up. And pull you on over here. And when he does, we th all we think about is the spirit of the tithe. Here, let me, break, let, me, let me break this off. No one's telling us to. No one's, no one's asking us to. No, no one's, he, the spirit of it. Let's look at some more scripture here. Verse 28, for the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. That's his role in our life. So he's there forever. Perfect intercessor. Perfect high priest. Perfect to bring to him the victory he has won for us. Turn to Leviticus chapter 27. This is the only mention of the law so far. And then we'll get into some other things as we talk about um, the application of the tithe a little later, not today. So verse chapter 27, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And it says... And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, if I read it together, is the Lord's. 
it is holy to the Lord. Now, this is, this is important right here. Now, this is the law, but this also gives explanation to why the tithe is special. Okay? Yeah, are you all with me here? Verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the her- herd, the herd, <laughs> the herd or the flock, or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Now, a little more of that scripture actually says, uh, when you bring the, the cattle in, the tenth one belongs to me. It doesn't even matter the condition of it. That will let you know that the, the tithe is different than the offering, because the offering, it does matter. The tithe, it doesn't matter what the condition of it is, just as long as it's the tenth part. That it's a tenth percent. That doesn't make sense to you in just a minute. So I'm going to give you about six things. I need you to write these things down if you're a writer. used to be a day when people did write. Now I think our memories are real good, Right? That's why we don't write down stuff anymore, right? We just got super, super memory. I remember, Pastor. I remember everything you say in church, everything, every Sunday, I remember it. Okay. All right. So, number one, tithing. Tithing is an appropriate response. Listen to this. An appropriate response to victory. Deliverance and salvation. Tithing is an appropriate response to deliverance, to victory, and to salvation. So let me ask you, how many of you have been delivered from something? One person, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right. How many of you have ever been in a car accident? You're still here, right? How many of you jumped in the pool, couldn't swim? Still here, though, right? How many of you had children? You're still here, right? <laughs> Amen. How many of you had the flu before? You're still here. You see what I'm saying? In other words, he has delivered us from some stuff, hasn't he? Hasn't he? So we've been delivered. How many of you have have had, had victories in your life? How many of you have ever got a job before? You know, you put in an application, 10 people applying for the same job, and you got the job. Right? That's victory, isn't it? How many of you how many have ever gotten a loan for your first house and you probably didn't really deserve it, but somehow you got the loan? Anyone? Yeah. How many of you ever gotten a Christmas present that you know you should not have gotten? Right? Just practical stuff. 
Right? So we've had victory in our lives, haven't we? So victory, deliverance, and how many have just, just shown up, shown up saved? Shown up, um, shown up going to be with Jesus when you die? If you, if you called upon the name of Jesus, then you're going to go, be with him. So based on those things, the heart of tithing says, hey, I don't, if I don't know nothing else, I know that he's given me everything. And if he, if he wants 10% back, what is that to me? What is that to me? The heart. The heart of the tithe. Number two, tithing is an acknowledgement of stewardship versus ownership. It is an acknowledgement of stewardship versus ownership, which simply means that I own nothing, but he has given me everything. And I want to take that and acknowledge before him that with 10% that God, you the owner, you own it, Lord. You own it, Lord. How many have ever been to, and I heard this one time, and, and, I, and I have experienced it as well. You go and you, you, you this man was telling a story about, about his son buying him a, a thing of, of French fries, and, and he gave his son the French fries, and he said, son, I just want to give, give me, just give me, you know, uh, basically 10% of the fries. And his son was like, look at me like, like Tim Smith looking at me right now, like, mm-mm. And his father's like, but son, I just, I just gave you all the fries. I, I bought, they're your fries. I, I gave you all these fries. Can you not give me 10% of them? Because let's say there's, I don't know what comes in a, is there a number? Does anyone have a statistic on how many fries are in a, in a 50 maybe? Is it 50? Can we say 40, 20? No, they got the big, they got the big baskets these days. In the big basket, there's, I don't know, 35, maybe? How many? How many do you count out? <laughs> Eric didn't know he was clueless and, and, and picked up like about 25. I know exactly. <laughs> so let's say 25 fries in a, in a, in a bucket, in a, in a thing. That would be 2.5 two fries, Right? Right? Am I, am, am, am I doing my math correctly? How many of you had kids when you reach over there to get that fry, they look at you like, what you doing? You better, you better get your hand back. Wait a minute. We bought you the fries. Cause I, I, here's what I do, and then just if I can be straight. I call myself, I call myself, abstaining from fries because I don't buy my own. But man, don't they look good on the other side? Anybody with me? And I reach over there and, and grab me two, three, four fries. And they look at me like, put it over here one more time. <laughs> put that hand over here one more time. I got a knife out of it. Cut you. Well, I bought you the fries. It sounds funny, but we do the same thing to God, don't we? We do the same thing to God. So it's an acknowledgement of ownership versus stewardship. Number three, tithing is an acknowledgement of who's the greater and who's the lesser. 
when we give it to, the Bible says that Melchizedek, uh, being greater than Abram, says that the, the lesser was blessed by the greater. And so it is an acknowledgement of who's the greater. So Jesus obviously is the greater. And when we give tithes unto Jesus, see there's nobody else in here. If, if, if ch this church is factoring into your tithing, meaning I'm doing it because of the church or not because of the church, then you're doing it for the wrong. The church is not the high priest. We're not the high priest. Jesus is the high priest. And so when we give, it should be from Jesus, I offer this to you. This is, this, is, this is the storehouse. I offer it to you. And we'll get into that a little further, a little, little, little more later. But that's what we're doing. We're offering our tithe to him. Number four. This is critical right here. Tithing is separating the sacred and holy from the common. If you remember in Leviticus chapter 27, it says, it's verse 30, it says, And the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is sacred to him. In other words, for whatever reason, God made that tenth part holy. In other words, set apart. Don't touch it. That happens to be mine. We've talked about this before, but growing up, there were sanctified rooms. Y'all know what sanctified rooms were? Sanctified rooms were the rooms with the plastic on the furniture, right? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, you get that, you don't, you don't have but one really nice piece of beautiful furniture, grandparents, great-grandparents, whoever they might have been, and that, and that one sanctified room too. In other words, you didn't just sit in that room anytime you wanted to. Guest, minister, but you didn't sit in there, you didn't eat in there, you didn't do anything in there. It was a, it was a vacant room apart when, when, when something special was happening. It was set apart. It had plastic on it. Anyone still have a room like that today? You got some plastic? No plastic, but you got a set apart room. And we, had a, we, had a, we bought a piece of furniture. I don't know why we bought the piece of furniture to begin with. Uh, my wife had this idea, I think, and she saw it, and she's like, we need another piece of furniture for the room. And, and, and it looked pretty good in the video. So me and Tim actually went out there to get that. And Tim didn't speak up, and I was afraid to say no to my wife. That was a putrid piece of furniture. It was an ugly piece of furniture. What you, and then when you get it out of where it was at, because where we were at was kind of dark and had stuff all around it, so you couldn't really see it. And so we put that piece of furniture in our, in our living room. And man, it unsanctified the room. So, so much so that our dog, Tiger, would rub up against it like this. And you can see a brown mark all the way across. <laughs> you can see a brown mark all the way across the furniture. And, 
And so it wasn't sanctified. The dog didn't even care about it. So why do I say that? Because we have to treat the tenth part as like, like God, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why. But for whatever reason, it's holy to you. It's, it's, it's sanctified to you. It's, it's sacred. This is sacred to you. So pretend you're in this movie, you know, like, um, you know, like, like the, the, um, the one of those movies with, um, with Chronicles of Narnia or, or The Hobbit. And you know how they have sacred things, you know, like the sacred sword or the sacred this and nobody can touch it and so on and so forth. Well, the, the tithe is like that. It's, it's, it really is sacred to God. It's sacred to him. Like, don't touch it. I need you to understand that. that I, that's mine. You know the story, uh, and I know you know it, when they went over to, um, when they went, uh, the, they, they went over right after Jericho, and then right after Jericho, they went up to Ai, and they got beat. Remember that? Anyone remember that? They crossed over Jordan. They, they, they had a defeat at the, the Jericho. They had the, the defeat of the, uh, in, in Jericho. And then they came back and they went and fought again. And when they went to fight, they got beat. And they came back down and they said, God, I, we don't understand. Why did we lose that battle? And God said this, because someone took that which I said was devoted to me. He said, someone has taken the devoted things. The Babylonian garments. That which, it was devoted, it was devoted to God. It was devoted. It was, for whatever reason, he said, that is sacred to me. And someone took it. And because they took it, when they did take it, uh, in order for them to get back into right place, they had to get rid of the people. They didn't get rid of the, the, the things as well. So for whatever reason, the tithe is sacred to God. Think about that for just a minute. Think about that. I remember one time it was, it was oh my goodness, I, I think I told them about it, but if I didn't, I'm going to tell them about it now. My parents had this, my, my parents had these, um, I think they were silver dollars. You know, the old silver dollars, and my mom used to collect them. Didn't, didn't you collect silver dollars? Still do. So one day, I knew they were sacred to her, like they were special, and for whatever reason, she was keeping them and holding them. And so in the fifth grade, I went to the fifth grade party. And when I went to the fifth grade party, uh, I felt a little out of place, you know. I felt like uh, everybody, you know, was a friend of, it was a, a school friend, and, and I wanted to impress them, right? I went in the drawer and got the silver dollar out. Oh, yeah, I did. And I took the silver dollar, which was sacred, that sacred silver dollar. And I didn't have no ties to this family. I didn't even like the girl. I just wanted to impress someone. And I took that silver dollar, and I remember, I was shaking too. I knew that this was special. And I said, uh, here's your present. Gave her that silver <laughs> Gave her that silver dollar. And they were like, oh, 
that is wonderful. This is, and I'm like, oh, God, my mama's going to kill me. She's going to kill me because I didn't treat it with sacredness. I didn't treat it. Can you imagine taking the tithe and going to McDonald's with it? Think about that for a minute. Going to McDonald's with the tithe money. That was just set apart to God. You eating a Big Mac with it. Are you with me? That's how, in, that's how it is. And that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. I, I feared. I trembled. Man, I, did I ever tell y'all that? Oh. <laughs> that's why, because I was afraid. They <laughs> can't give me a spanking now. I tried to get that coin back. I was like, you know, I never got it back. But it's the same thing. When we treat that which is sacred, man, I, I don't feel good about keeping that which is God's. I just don't. I, I just, I, I, it messed with my sleep to take that which is God. Not from some, the law standpoint, but from, from God. I, you, you, this is important to you. I, I want to treat it with that importance. It's sacred. Now, I, 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 the other points have been lost now. Y'all don't even know what the other points were. All y'all can remember is Pastor Logan took the silver dollar <laughs> and gave it to somebody who Kate probably don't even appreciate it to this day. And she's still collecting them. Number five and number six. Number five, tithing, and this is important, tithing, tithing is never a matter of generosity. It's always a matter of duty and obligation. Not a law duty, not a law obligation, but a heart duty and a heart obligation. Think about that for a minute. We don't even start being generous until we get into the 90%. Generosity is not giving what you don't even own. That's not, that's not ours. That's not being generous. not being generous. One time, I'm going back in my history again. One time, my brother and I were supposed to sell chocolate. The chocolate bars. <laughs> the chocolate bars for school. Y'all remember? You remember chocolate bars? And so we were selling chocolate bars for sports. You know, the sports thing. And both of us had a box. And so we may have sold two out of that box. <laughs> and then when the doors were closed in our room, it had gone past a period of time. And so we were waiting all the time. This woman, I hope she doesn't ask for the sale of the candy. Because by that time, we had already ate the candy. We had ate the chocolate, and we lived every day in perpetual fear. That woman who had given us the box was going to come and ask for the money. And you know, she never did. And we never got around her either. She would come in this way, we would go that way. <laughs> and we had a ball, but we couldn't really enjoy it, right? Because we were so fearful that we were going to get found out. 
taken to jail. And to this day, to this day, we never sold the box of candy. Never. And we lived, I, I think, the, at least two months of school year, we were in constant guilt. Just, kind of, just feeling condemned all the time. Because we knew we had done something. We had ate, we had taken that which was not ours. Why are you laughing over there so much? <laughs> but we gobble up. We gobble up God's sacred stuff as well and eat it. I hope you feel something out of it. I hope there's a, some type of sense of, of man, I, I didn't do, this wasn't right. Last one. Sobering message, is it not? So generosity, number five, gener tithing is never a matter of generosity. That's why I was saying at the very beginning we're going to step away for it just for a minute because it's not about generosity here. Even though it takes a generous heart to tithe, um, it's really our obligation. It's our responsibility. So we, we don't own it uh, necessarily. And the last one is this. Tithing is placing that which is sacred into the hands of our eternal high priest to give to the high priest to, to give to the Most High God on our behalf. So tithing is placing that which is sacred into the hands of our eternal high priest to give to the Most High God on our behalf. So when, we, when we're tithing, if you can use your imagination here and use it in the way in which you are imagining Jesus' hands extended towards you and you taking your tithe, your tenth part, that which doesn't really belong to you. And you say, God, I'm giving this to you. This is yours to remind me of where I got the other 90% from. Now, I want to give you an example of that in just a minute. So I got 10 balls here. These are my little golf balls I kind of chip with sometimes. And um, <clears throat> Kylie, can you help me out here? Kylie, if I give you these 10 balls, I want you to look in here. And there's, there's one ball that, that is special to me. If you can find that one ball, uh, I, I just want that one ball back. Okay? I just, that's all I want is that one ball back. All right, so, so look in there, look through it, and you tell me uh, which ball uh, that you want to give me back. Because there's one of them that is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. Let's pull it out, please. All right, so there's one ball here. Now look at her sack and look at mine. Mine has on it holy, what's it say on there? And what? Yeah, this is holy and sacred. This ball just means something to me. Looks like the rest of them, but this one here is holy and sacred. She's still living here with nine balls, right? 
But this one ball here, it's just special to me. It just, she thought enough of where she got the balls from to give me the one back that I felt was sacred. And I'm so very grateful for this one ball. You think you can live off of those nine balls? She said yes. And that's all I wanted is this one right here, which lets me know her heart towards me. Because that's really all I can get. That's, that's all that really, this is just a token of her heart towards me. But it means the world to me. I can't really use this ball, but I can use what it means. Because she designated it sacred and holy. She's got me on her mind. That means the world to me. Not one dime goes to heaven. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our change. But he does desire our relationship and the priority and the meaning of that relationship. I hope you got something out of this. Now, you can keep those balls or you can give them back to me because I really do use those balls to chip. But, but if you could use them, you can keep them. You can't use them? All right, I'm going to keep them. <laughs> All, right. All right, thank you. Thank you. Let's give Kylie a big hand. Amen. Everyone say amen. amen. Did you learn something today? Did you get something out of this today? So is tithing a matter of the law? It's a matter of the what? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So I would just challenge you, just, let's all just look at our heart. Let's see, what does God mean to me? And out of that, let it dictate how you give or how you pay your tithe. I think I can live off of 90%. I mean, I think it's a great exchange. Best deal ever, Right? Someone's passing out $100 bills and said, just give me 10 back. I think I like that deal. That works for me. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.